for somebody who says, I'm not an outdoors person, I'm not outdoorsy, I think what I'd say is, well, what do you like to do outside? And it might be, I love to have a barbecue in my backyard with my family. I love to sit on the front porch and watch the world go by. I love to watch a sunset or I love birds. Whatever you like, find a way to pursue that. Hey, everybody. Jen Hatmaker is here. Welcome to the For the Love podcast. I am your delighted host. And right now we're in a really fun series that I am loving. And it's called For the Love of Favorite Pastimes. We were excited to interview people who they had a side thing, like a a hobby, a passion, a craft, some sort of like artistic endeavor or innovation and they loved it and they worked at it and they enjoyed it so very much that they found a way to make the side thing, the main thing. And we're kind of all over the place. Like we're in all sorts of genres, all sorts of hobby genres, but it's been so interesting and so fascinating. And I've really loved the guests and felt inspired by them. And, and so today is a really, really fun interview because today we're talking about the outdoors. Now, uh, to be fair, I love the outdoors and I really always have for tons of reasons. I I was a part of the last generation before electronics were like a thing, right? Obviously, I mean, we didn't have self, hell, we didn't have anything. We had one TV and had four stations, right? Even video games were not at all like the immersive world that they are now. I didn't even get a VCR till I was in high school. So we just just didn't have a lot of reasons to stay inside. Do you know what I mean? Plus back then our parents like only slightly cared if we became milk carton children, like they just turned us out. They're like, you get out and you don't come back until that sun starts to set, especially in the summertime. I mean, which I get, but sometime after all that, I got married, had a bunch of babies. We moved to Texas where you can to be fair, pretty much be outdoors almost all year long. But about eight of those months, it's like stepping outside on the surface of the sun. But also, I'm a porch girl. Like, you know this about me. I'm out there like all the time. You see me on my porch swing in the breeze with, I look out over my trees. I just, I hear the birds. I love my backyard. I love a backyard party with all my people on just a nice night, the string lights, the music, the laughter, the food, the big cozy porch furniture. I mean, it's just one of the greatest things ever. I grew up on the slopes of Colorado. We grew up skiing. I grew up on the softball fields. When the kids were little, we went camping every single year with our best friends. And so I just have a love for being outdoors. And my relationship with moving my body outdoors is mixed. Because I did just mention things I like to do outside included sitting and barbecuing, but I also love outdoor activities. And in fact, my friend, Kevin Nealon, who you remember, of course, from tons of things, but notably SNL, he shoved a camera in my face once on a hike. You can go watch that over on YouTube. And so I'm kind of maybe redefining right now what my relationship is with moving my body outside just in this stage of life that I'm in. I'm figuring out what she likes and what she doesn't and how to push her to new heights while also respecting her boundaries and not putting wild expectations on her, but rather reconsidering outdoor stuff as not a task, not just a thing to check off, not just some exercise grind that I don't enjoy, but rather like 
nurturing, nourishing, enjoyable, right? That, I think that's my work right now that I'm working on. And I don't know if you feel that way too. And I know that our relationships with the outdoors can be weird or wonderful, depending on your background, depending on your experiences in the past. But I'll say this, if anything good has happened over the past couple of years, it's remembering how good it can feel and does feel to be outside and to move your body outside. Uh, a lot of us during COVID, we were just turned out into the yard and into the trails because so many of our indoor spaces were compromised for so long. And so like by hook or by crook, like a lot of us rediscovered the joy of the outdoors that wasn't just our only option. It's a good option. In fact, it's scientifically proven that if you just spend 20 minutes outside in any kind of capacity, your stress hormones drop dramatically because nature has a beautiful healing power. And I respect that. So this guest is fun today. He doesn't have 100 degree summers where he lives near Seattle. Lucky him. I only resent him a little bit, but I so enjoyed talking to him. I'm over the moon today to have Ben Steele on the show. So let me tell you about Ben. Not only is he super cool, but he has one of the coolest jobs on the planet. Ben is the chief customer officer at REI. You know it. Literally the biggest outdoor co-op in America. So he basically gets to think about nature and the outdoors and why it's awesome to experience and how to help other people have the same experience. So I want you to know this before we get into it. This is a low key conversation about being outside. This is not just for my listeners who have like all the puffy vests and trekking poles and want to hike Mount Kilimanjaro. Okay. This is not that conversation. This is just two people talking about really the power of nature to inspire us and to heal us and to host our communities and make us feel a little more hopeful about the world and our place in it. So really this conversation is for everyone. I found it so inviting and so invigorating and he's really funny. So you're going to enjoy him so much because listen, you can like nature and not want to spend your entire life in it, right? But moving your body in any way outdoors can be one of the most wonderful, calming, but weirdly exhilarating experiences you can have, all for zero dollars. So with that, you guys, please enjoy my conversation with the absolutely delightful REI's own Ben Steele. Ben, welcome to the show. I am just delighted to meet you. I can't wait to have this conversation with you. I think your life's so interesting and so fun. Thanks for making the time. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously I did a little research before you and I hopped on today. And I noticed that REI's like number one value is a life outdoors is a life well-lived. And I love that. And of course, we all know you appreciate the power of a puffy vest. So I'm guessing you feel the same way. I would love to know, let's just start right there, more about that, why you believe that, why this is a part of the driving ethos, really, of your entire adult life. Well, I love, I love that starting point. So, you know, I think for me, like a lot of folks who work at the co-op, it's a lot of lived experience, right? It's it's a love of the outdoors and the outside that is a part of your life, whether that's something that started as a kid, something you found later, or something you've seen in others. 
a few years ago, we decided to kind of put that to the test and say, is it more than anecdote and lived experience? And we partnered with scientists and universities and really tried to quantify that question of what is the value of time outside? And we've even updated that language since as a result. So the belief is now we believe that time outside is fundamental to a life well lived. And it's provable. I mean, there's science that really says when folks have access to clean spaces, have access to clean air, have access to time outside, and that doesn't mean a mountaintop. It can literally mean a green park in your neighborhood. They're healthier uh, at an individual level and at a societal level. And that's why you even see some doctors now starting to prescribe time outside for depression or PTSD or just as a part of a healthy lifestyle. So it's lived experience and it's and it's actual provable science, which you know we, we knew, but it's nice to have the data, right? It is, and it's fascinating because to you know, to your point, virtually all of us can bear it out experientially. We can just say, Oh, yeah, I, I don't know how to maybe put the words around it or I don't know how to explain it, but when I am outdoors, there's a thing. My burdens feel a little lighter, possibility feels more within reach, hope springs eternal. Last year I was in counseling for just a really hard year, a pretty intense counseling. And one of the tools that's a legit therapeutic tool, my counselor would make me when I was in a little spiral, she'd be like, take off your shoes, just go in your backyard. Like you don't have to hike to the top of the mountain, just go in your backyard and put your feet in the grass. Like put your feet in the grass, walk around a little, like take some deep breaths of air. It's weird how physiological that impact is, you are right. This is not woo-woo, right? This is not woo-woo stuff. Well, and if you step back, it makes sense, right? I mean, at, at some fundamental level, we are creatures who are connected to the outside world. And while a lot of the, you know, centuries and centuries and centuries of innovation and advancement and civilization and, you know, blah, 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 have disconnected us from that, it isn't truly disconnected from who we are. And, you know, there's a million examples of why well, I think better when I'm walking or, you know, nothing helps me reset like a sunrise or a sunset. I think for people, it's, it is physiological and I think it's spiritual. A lot of people talk about, you know, the outdoors as my cathedral or the sense of something bigger than myself. And, you know, again, I, I don't think that's only true if you're at the top of a 20,000 foot mountain. I think for a lot of people, it is the backyard or it is a river or it is the sound of waves. And I, I think what we've tried to say is, okay, if that's fundamental, then, wow, that's a human right. And our job isn't just to sell people stuff. It's to really enable and inspire people to make that connection and make sure that there aren't people who are blocked from that because not everybody has the same access and that's mm. important. It's interesting. I'm curious what sort of initiatives or how do you approach this idea that it, it shouldn't be, but in a lot of cases, access to the outdoors is a, is privileged, a privileged experience. Like what, what's the solution here? What, from a, from a, from a company standpoint, from a co-op standpoint, how do you look at that and go, wow, what, how could we step in this gap and make this like more accessible and even more necessary for communities that maybe just don't have the same access? Well, it really starts by recognizing what I think you said beautifully, which is just getting honest and comfortable with the fact that access to the outdoors has historically been uh, about privilege. It has been about a place that is distant. It has been about 
time. It has been about oftentimes gear that's expensive or highly specialized. Yeah, right. And the first step is to say, okay, that doesn't just happen in a place that's five hours from the city. It can happen anywhere. So I think the first step is to say, let me start by asking you what's important about the outside. Rather than telling you, go find it here, asking you, where do you find it? So then I've got to be in service to that. The other piece is to really start to systemically take down some of the barriers. So if gear is really expensive, well, how do things like used gear and rental, how do things like different price points for folks to discover the outdoors make that more accessible? How do you address real questions like access? How do you think about, how do I get to a place that's somewhat distant if I don't have a car? So we really do have initiatives and programs to start to look at those. I think the other piece as well, which has been, I think, harder for the outdoor industry to reconcile is the outside is not an equally safe space for everybody. That's Um, right. It's certainly Mm. true for women. It's certainly true for people of color. It's certainly true for different identity groups. And so we've got to be honest about everything from racist naming of outdoor places to a legacy of stolen land to the reality that depending on who I am, I may not feel that comfortable outside around other people. So those are complex problems. You know, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that REI is really stepping forward to say, how do we address those things and how do we address them in partnership with folks rather than trying to solve it for them? That makes That's sense. really great, Ben. I love that. That's a really holistic approach to look at that from a lot of angles, from a legislative angle, from a social angle, from a price point angle. And then we finally get down to the brass tacks about products and gear. And I, I, that's, that's really probably what's going to take is is some efforts at every single point around the spoke to make that happen. I, I love that conversation and I love that you, your company's a part of it. Let's talk about little Ben, like let's talk about your deal, your deal. Let's, I want to hear about your childhood. Were you an outdoorsy kid? Was this something that was always a piece of your kind of soul matter? And what is your path to finally landing here at arguably I mean, one of the largest co-ops for like outdoor living and recreation in the world. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely fair to say. Yeah, we, we're we the largest consumer co-op in America and we are proud to be one of the leaders in the outdoor industry. So yeah, it's a, it's a great place to be. What were you like as a kid? Incredibly charming, really handsome, um, very funny. It's wildly popular. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, yes. maybe maybe too popular. <laughs> no, honestly, I mean, I grew up in 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 uh, Boise, Idaho, which okay. I recognize relative to access to the outdoors, a pretty privileged place to grow up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that notion of there's a trail out your backyard, there's a river. Totally. Running. But it it was a part of my life, but it wasn't really a part of my soul. And, and I'll, I'll be literal about the question that you asked. That didn't really happen until probably I was around high school. I really fell in love with the outside and the outdoors through running. I joined a cross-country team, and we had a coach who basically would say, see that mountain? Go run to the top of it and then come back. And those times with my teammates on the trails, in and around the city, getting into mountain biking a little bit, it was specific activity that made the outdoors a bigger part of my life. And then as I as I as I grew up, as I went to college, as I as I met the woman who's now my wife, like more, more hiking and backpacking and climbing with friends, those things became a bigger part of my life. And it really did become a part of my soul. But it wasn't, you know, some folks, you know, I was two years old and we were we were backpacking. That wasn't my family. That wasn't my life. But I do think that the surroundings and the access allowed me to discover it in that way. 
but yeah, it's a, it's a huge part of my life now, but it didn't happen when I was knee high. So at what point you went to college, you are figuring out how to be a grown up. At what point were you like, this could be my work. This, this I'd like to like throw my chips in here in this industry. And for this space, how did you get to where you are right now? Cause you're, you're pretty high up guy in this organization. So was that, did you come like right out of the gate here? No, I see. I have kind of an unusual or unique path into, into retail. I, I spent most of my career, I've been at REI for about seven and a half years. I spent my entire career before that. So the majority of my career in the brand consulting space. So working at advertising agencies and brand and design firms. And, you know, I, I was lucky enough to find myself at a, at a, at a great but smaller ad agency here in Seattle, right out of school. And two of our first clients were Seattle Mariners baseball team. And as a baseball fan, that was a dream and REI co-op. And so I got to work on two brands. I, you know, there's a lot of less fun stuff I worked on, but I got to work on two brands that I absolutely loved. Got to work with REI a couple of times in my career. And seven and a half years ago, REI was looking for somebody to help come in and I think demonstrate what makes us different as a company, as a brand. So how do we show the world, not tell the world what makes the co-op special? And it felt like a chance to be in a dream position and a dream organization and, and to challenge myself and do something different. And you know, I haven't looked back since. It was a really great decision, changed my life in a lot of ways. And feel incredibly fortunate to be here. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like personally just, how do you, what's your favorite way to spend time outside? And when you do, do you like to spend time with another person or another group of people? Cause you kind of mentioned your comeuppance with your team, with your long distance team. There's something to be said for being with other people in your outdoor space. There's also something to be said for being alone and like quiet with your own thoughts. And I kind of like both to be honest, but what, what's your, what's your preference here? I think it's more what you said. There's two modes and they're distinct to me. And I prefer both of them just in different moments. I mean, I, Running is a lifelong addiction for me. And while my, my body is starting to suggest to me that maybe that addiction is, is, isn't, isn't <laughs> as healthy as it, my knees especially, I run almost every morning, I cycle a lot on the weekends. So that's alone time. And while I've got folks I do it with occasionally, it's primarily about time, time for me. I also, though, equally love spending time outside with my wife and daughter. We spend a lot of time hiking. We spend a lot of time in the outdoors. We spend time snowshoeing in the winter, skiing in the winter. We do that with family friends as well. So there's a there's a connected set of experiences that I love. And then there's a more singular and focused set of experiences that I love. And, and again, they give me different things. And I I try to balance both of them. Do some of your like best ideas, your like coolest innovations come on that bike or yeah, on the pay, and, on the road? And, just, and I'm running. I mean, yeah. And no, running, is, yeah. I mean, I know it's a cliche, but you know, it's that classic thing of you're struggling with a problem, you're struggling with a problem you know, five miles later, suddenly it seems clear and there's a connection. And I think it's about what we talked about earlier. It's about context. It's about, I mean, I love running every morning because the change of the light and the weather and the, there's, there's something about the constancy and the change that I think creates connections and sparks things in a different way. How far do you run? Not as far as I used to. I used to, I used to a lot of marathons. Now I'm kind of a five mile morning guy. And on the weekends, I'll go a little longer and I'm doing a little work with a PT group to try to stretch that back out because I'm a 
I'm, I'm riddled with injury and we can spend a long time talking about my injuries in detail if you want. That's, that's probably the podcast <laughs> that people really want to hear. It's riveting podcast it's content. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, truly it's, it's why people tune in. How old are you? I'm 46. So, yeah. you know, okay. it's, you, it's yeah. all down. It's, it's all. Yeah yeah. 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 I'm 47. And it's funny because I like consistently overestimate what I'm capable of because yeah, I used to be, I'm like, same. Oh no, I could still do that. Like, that's just what I do. My body does that. When it used to hurt the next morning, it was better. And now uh-huh. it still hurts the next morning and it keeps hurting. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm struggling with it, Jen. I'm struggling. With it. <laughs> Listen, my dad is 75 and he has run between four and five miles every day of his life, of his whole life. And just literally this year, just this year, he finally had to have hip replacement because running turns out is a little bit of a grind on the old body, but he made it to 75, man. That's amazing. And his doctor was like, that's it. There's no more running for you. And what my dad says to the doctor, the doctor, this is his job. He went to med school. Like he has credentials. He's got big degrees. My dad says to this doctor who, by the way, he calls Jordan, which is his first name instead of doctor, whatever, which I'm like, dad, no, but he's like, okay, no running. I'll just do a slow jog. I'm like, dad, that's running. A slow jog is running, Dad. The rest of us just walk. So I'm just saying, you've got some life. You've got some gas in the tank. You're 46. You've got another 20 years for you of hip replacement surgery. I, I need to get my wife down here because she's telling me not to run anymore. I'm with you. I think that yeah. uh, I think I got another, let's say 30 years, 29, 30 I, years. I, I like your chances. I like your odds. Have you ever seen someone wearing a colorful pair of like flats or cool sneakers and thought, God dang, those are cute. I wonder where they got them. Cute and comfy shoes can be hard to find. And girls, we know this. It's a tall order. But Rothy's knows what's up here. They are famous for their chic, pointy toe flats. And that is like only the beginning. I actually entered the Rothy's universe by way of their slip on sneakers. They look super cool, but they basically feel like you're wearing slippers. Um, I know a lot of you on your feet all day, you're chasing after littles or you're teaching them or you're working, you're in an office, whatever. And Rothy's are perfect for anyone on the go. They're also a dream for packing and traveling because you can literally be one and done with these shoes. I wear their sneakers with everything from cutoff shorts to a fun little dress and my feet never hurt and this matters. What I also love is that Rothy's takes sustainability to the next level, you guys. All their products are knit with thread made from plastic water bottles. In fact, they've repurposed around 125 million water bottles so far, which is crazy awesome. So your new favorite shoes are waiting. Discover the versatile styles you can wear absolutely anywhere and get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash for the love. Okay, so that's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash for the love for $20 off your first order. So we're going into the summer months and you may already be thinking, what in the world can I do with the kids to keep them engaged without always giving into screen time? So when I discovered KiwiCo, I was immediately like, this is it. 
This is such a smart thing to engage our kids' natural curiosity and creativity. If you're not familiar with this company, they deliver monthly science and art projects, and they have different options for all ages. I get these for my nephews every month, and they go crazy for them. It's really fun to see, and they're fun to make. KiwiCo's hands-on projects are designed to be cool but also to teach kids about all the things. So like as a parent, you might just be geeking out right alongside of them from discovering the science of magic to engineering a domino machine and more. KiwiCo doesn't mess around. These are real deal projects with high quality materials and the projects actually function and work, okay? So step into summer and celebrate the season of discovery with a KiwiCo subscription. You guys you can get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code for the love at kiwico.com. So that's 30% off your first month at kiwico.com, promo code for the love. Okay, this is important. I am a girl who likes some gear. Like if I'm gonna go, if I grew up skiing, I grew up on the slopes. And so I'm, gear is imperative to a lot of sports. I love athletics and I like to look cute. I just do, Ben, I just do. And so let's just ask this. What's your go-to gear? If you were gonna, if somebody came to you and said, I wanna become a hiker, I wanna be in the woods. I wanna hike in the woods. And you said, all right, this is the stuff you need. What is it? Great question. You know, maybe I'll come at a couple different ways and you guide me. So, you know, I am, I'm a big fan of a vest. I'm going to be really honest with you, like to the point of like it being a cliche. I've never really met an armless torso covering (laughs) object that I don't like. So I think, you know, big fan of layering. Vests are a great way to manage heat. You know, I would also say for folks, I'm a bit of a gadget guy. And so there are so many cool gadgets and devices now to help sort of like measure and quantify and for some people, I know that's anathema to, to time outside, but I love like a tracking watch and a heart rate monitor. And I think for a lot of people, it helps keep it fun and interesting and surprising. The other thing I'd say, honestly, and this is about as basic as it gets, a lot of people who hate hiking and running, when you really get to the bottom of it, they have shoes that don't fit them. I knew you were going to say that. And that is the truth. It'll and ruin it the experience. The a good pair of shoes, a good pair of boots, and a great pair of socks solve a lot of the problem. And I know that's like beyond basic, but start there and then work your way up. Yeah. What's your favorite? Do you have, are you allowed to say, since you're a retailer who has a lot of brands? No, it's okay. You're a person, you're a human. You get to have favorites. Yeah. So I will say I have been a lifelong runner in ASICs running shoes and I am a uh, devotee of of ASICs and we we do sell ASICs. I I wish we sold some more of them sometimes, but yeah, I, I swear by, I'm, you know, again, I, I'm a little, I run every day. I wear the shoes every day. You may be sensing a theme of, of some, we can call it discipline or rigidity depending on the moment, but I found a pair of shoes that worked for me when I was like 13. And I've basically been running them ever since. Do they last you a year? No, I'm a, you know, I think, and you're, I think your dad would agree. You got to change those shoes every three months and they oh, wear, but, and this isn't, I promise you, this isn't like a setup for an ad, but now you can trade them in because they may not have really? a lot of money life in them, but you can do a lot of other things. And we do, we're doing a lot of used gear trading right now because products have a lot of life in them, even when they're, you know, don't have to sit in your garage or sit in your closet. They can kind of go back into somebody else's hands. That's interesting. So you have a trade-in program at REI? 
We do. It's called resupply. And, you know, we had for years what we called garage sales and people would line up for, you know, overnight sometimes to get access to used gear. And instead of doing that a couple times a year, we've now built it as a part of our business. And, you know, back to your question about access, there are a lot of folks who have a garage full of stuff and love gear and want to upgrade it every few years. And then there's a lot of people who are looking to get into something and that's a virtuous cycle. So, we have trade-in and folks can get gift card store credit for that trade-in to upgrade to other gear. And it gives other folks a chance to get into gear at a lower price point and try That's something. That's nice. Yeah. That's fantastic. Because sometimes people are like, they watch one pretty baller documentary on Netflix and they're like, what I am now is a mountain biker. That's what I am. I just have a new identity and that's what I'm going to get the thing and I'm going to get the shoes and I'm going to have the gloves. I'm going to, and it lasts for like three months, three months. And then they, they retire. And so you are so right that people sometimes have gadgets that are like lightly used. I love that idea. It's also awesome for sustainability. I mean, the, the stats on how many products in America get thrown away versus used and and you know the the carbon impact of buying used gear versus always buying new gear it, you know this is a classic case of kind of following the customer younger customers are really ahead of this trend for ahead of most organizations and i think the companies who are smarter saying people love this for a price perspective for a trial perspective for a sustainability perspective it's a business that we should find a way to be in and it, and it really fits the outdoor industry really well It sure does. A second ago, you mentioned your gadget guy. Sometimes the idea of having your cell phone with you is feels antithetical to outdoor activity. However, in this modern age of our cell phones, they can be really helpful tools. There are so many cool apps now to kind of aid Mm -hmm. us. There's, you know, there's trail apps and there's even like the, for the plant people who are out and they see a plant they want to know about, there's like, there's an app called picture this and it'll identify a plant for you. There's so many cool things. App. Yeah. Really what cool. do you, do you have any like apps specifically that you like that are useful that don't like take you out of the outdoors, but really just enhance the whole experience? Yeah, I do for sure. And again, I think, you know, like anything, it's a personal question, right? In that for some people that is a total disruption for other people, it's an enhancer. And like, Great news. You're free to choose that for yourself. I happen to like the technology and like the apps. And yeah, there's some awesome trail apps. We've got an amazing organization here in Washington State called Washington Trail Association. And they've got a super cool app that does everything from help you figure out where you want to go to making sure that when that trail forked, I went the right way. And use that a lot. There's that plant app. There's another one for bugs that I like to use to identify, although it The bug one is a little less accurate, so I won't name it by name. When I'm out for my running or my cycling, I also, I'm listening to podcasts or I'm I'm listening to music. I'm doing it with open earphones so I can hear cars and hear other things, but I really like to be listening to things. So those are all, those are all apps that I, that I use and love. And they're a pretty active part of my outdoor life. That's making me think of a couple more questions that I want to ask you. Now being super exposed to all kinds of sports and outdoor activities through your co-op, of course, what's one activity that you tried that you'd never done and you loved it. You're like, Oh my God, get the deal. And one that you tried and you're like, this sucks. I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'll sell the gear, but I'm not doing this anymore. 
So I'll answer the second one first. And it's not that this sucks. It's that I suck. Okay. Yeah. That's, I get that. Stand up paddleboarding is impossible. And I don't care what anybody (laughs) says. It's impossible. I can't stand on it. I can't kneel on it. I can't lay down on it. My wife and doctor, we can be in the calmest lake in the world and they're cruising. And I'm like a baby giraffe on roller skates. I cannot (laughs) do it. And it's me, not the sport. I understand. But but I hate mm-hmm. it and I'm never okay. going to do it. Again. It's and a I wish everybody pass. who enjoys it. I love them. Good luck to you, but not yeah. for me. Yes, yes, yes. I live actually, I, I'm in Austin, Texas. Yeah, yeah. So stand up paddleboarding is monstrous here. And sure. it's just like, I've done it a few times. I did it one time kind of like in an ocean channel. And I had a kid that was small enough that had to sit on the freaking front of it. Are you kidding me? Well, I'm not an Olympian. I I can barely do it with just my body, much less a wobbly 10 year old on the front. So I'm kind of with you on this. It looks charming. It's pretty. You couldn't pay me to go in an ocean on a standard paddleboard because I would die. And that's, that's a, that's a scientific fact. So people love it, but you know, people love lots of God bless and keep them. And what about one that you tried that was new to you and you're like big thumbs up? So I would say I got a lot more into cycling after joining the co-op. And part of that was signing up for a few events. I, I had always done cycling and I had done mountain biking growing up, but I got I got really, really, really into it. And the bias for me had always been to really get a great cycling. It's like you're going for six hours and you can run for an hour and it's a lot more efficient. I learned to love the time inefficiency of cycling and and. And also the kind of the group dynamic of, of, of rides with other folks. And I became a much more passionate cyclist after joining REI than I was before. That's a good one. Speaking of time, efficiency, and inefficiency, I'd like to talk to you for a second about kind of work-life balance. It's women get this question a lot. Like anytime I'm doing an interview, I get the work-life balance question. I don't think men get it as often as women do, but I'm interested to hear your answer because as mentioned, you're pretty high up at RAI. And, and so I am curious, what are your like personal best practices to keep these a little bit in check so that you still do have time for all these, like, as mentioned at the top of the show, life-giving, literally like essential activities. And then secondly, to that question, I'm curious if that just shared value, obviously trickles down into company culture. I'm wondering if REI is like, this matters, not just for our customers, but this matters for our staff and our employees. And these are the ways that we're going to ensure you have enough like wellness, mental health time outside. Yeah. I mean, so the first thing I would say is absolutely to your, to the last part of your question. I think I'm really lucky to be at a place that recognizes the realities and priorities of that need, not just as an abstract concept for others, but for self. Now, to be fair, doesn't mean we're perfect at it. And it's a struggle. And we got a long list of things we're working on. And I think about the last two years and all the challenges that they've brought, that balance has been hard for everybody. And I think we're constantly asking ourselves, what practices are we putting in place or what decisions do we need to make to enable that? You know, I'll give you an example. Um, We've looked at kind of Monday mornings and Friday afternoons and tried to block them from recurring meetings, not because that's not time for work, but because it's time for a different type of work to say, how does that not sneak into nights and not in the mornings? That, that's an ongoing struggle though. And I would say as life's getting busier for everybody and in this virtual world, the fact that you're always connected, you do have to have some practices. One of those for me is I have said 
for years and years and years, the only part of your day you truly control is what time you get up. So I get up early to get my time in outdoors every day on the weekdays. And I, there's definitely days I'd rather stay in bed, but if I, if I put it off for the end of the day, there's always something that comes up. Of course. And frankly, at the end of the day, it's a lot more tempting to go hang out with Mindy and Ellie and have a beer and, you know, start making dinner. So morning is one for me. And then I'm, again, I'm fortunate that I live with two folks who also like to get out there. So on the weekends, we prioritize it and we make time for it. But yeah, it's work-life balance is, I think it has changed for a lot of people in the last couple of years with all the challenges COVID have brought. And I think in some ways it's gotten easier and in some ways it's gotten harder. At least that's been my experience. Yeah. I can imagine from a retail standpoint that in, in, Obviously, some ways it's gotten harder. I mean, you had to deeply pivot. I mean, obviously, you already had a huge online presence, but you're brick and mortar too. And so I can imagine that at the beginning, that was a 80 hour a week scramble to like, what do we do? Right. Yeah, it was. And I think, you know, we we were one of the first retailers to close our doors and we closed our doors for weeks until we could figure out how did we think we could operate safely, safely for our customers and safely for our employees. And then our employees, you know, in our stores and in our distribution centers, a lot of challenges and a lot of change, but their day-to-day work is still in the store and still in the distribution center. Relatively early in COVID, we had built a beautiful H new headquarters and we sold it. We made the decision that Oh, I didn't know I that. I think we'd rather have these dollars working for our employees, working for our customers, working on the business. We sold a headquarters. So we've been in a virtual environment with a couple of satellite offices for the last the last few years. And that was a big change for our headquarters. Huge. That's yeah. a monumental change. So the majority of you work from home now, full-time. The majority of us work from home. For most folks, the, the majority is absolutely from home. For, you know, for our leadership team, we're in the office a couple of days a week, but we're also trying to recognize, wow, my days at home are really efficient and really effective and productive. My days in the office are really connected. Both those things matter. So back to your question of balance, how do I not go from ditch to ditch? How do I try to build some intentionality to both those experiences? It's really interesting to watch different companies and industries grapple with, you know, what was the just fly by the seat of your pants response to COVID, but what we've learned from it in terms of work culture, productivity, connectedness. And to your point, it's not one thing. It's not, it was all this and now it's all that, or this is the good way and this is the not good way. It's it's interesting to watch different companies thread the needle and find some real innovative and I think probably healthier business practices in the fallout. If we are forced to find any silver linings at all through the last couple of years, I think that's one of them. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and it's so important to talk about this. Life can be overwhelming, and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, detachment, fatigue, and more, right? Like, sound familiar? And while we associate burnout with work, generally, it's not the only cause. Anything in life can lead us to feeling burned out because we're human people. This is why I really love encouraging my listeners to explore BetterHelp Online Therapy, because we need to remember to return to ourselves and really dig into what is causing the stress in our lives and figure out how to work through it. I literally don't know how I would function without my own therapy. My receipts on this go way back. I meet with my therapist online too. By the way, it's been a lifeline for me. 
BetterHelp works because they make it affordable and easy for you to have access to a professional therapist on your own schedule. And you can talk to them from anywhere in as soon as 24 hours, you guys. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, and they even have chat functionality. So start prioritizing your mental health today. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and my podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp dot com slash for the love that's b-e-t-t-e-r-h-e-l-p dot com slash for the love i'm thinking about my listener right now and they're going to come to this conversation from all over the place i mean some of them are going to be wild athletes and major adventurers and they practically live off the grid. And then, you know, some of them are just the, whatever the exact opposite of that is. And so let's, let's, let's say someone's listening. Who's very much like a no thank you to team outside. Okay. The sweat, the sun, the bugs, the whatever, what would you say to maybe convince that particular type of person that they actually, as they are in the body, they have because this isn't just an athlete's opportunity, right? Like whatever age you are, whatever body you are living in, wherever you live in the world and whatever level your like preference and capabilities are, that the outdoors can also be meaningful and magical for them. I think it's a great question and one we think about a lot. And the first thing I'd say is absolutely where you started. It's up to you to decide. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about the difference between the outdoors and the outside. One sounds distant and hard and specialized and like, I don't know if I'm really qualified to go there. The other sounds pretty, pretty close by and pretty accessible. So I think, I think for somebody who says, I'm not an outdoors person, I'm not outdoorsy. I think what I'd say is, well, what do you like to do outside? And it might be, I love to have a barbecue in my backyard with my family. I love to sit on the front porch and watch the world go by. I love to watch a sunset or I love birds. Mm, that's good. Whatever, whatever you like, find a way to pursue that. And I, I think there's this, there's this paradigm of the past that's like, I have to qualify to be an outdoors person. I, you know, and I think even folks have said to us, I'm not qualified to go into one of your stores. And I was like, well, okay, well, what can we do to, to help you feel differently about that? And I think the starting place is to ask you, what do you like to do out there? If it's, you know, if people who say, I don't like to hike. Sometimes I ask them, what's the difference between hiking and walking? Because hmm. it hmm. turns out there really isn't a difference. And a lot of people say, <laughs> oh, I love to walk, but I don't like to hike. Okay, well, the question is really, where are you walking? That's the only difference. So really try to start with understanding them and where they're at. And then if there's specific stuff they don't like, like, oh, I hate bugs, or I don't like the rain, or there's usually some pretty good gear to help with those things. And uh, I know a good place to get it. Yes, you do. <laughs> do you like to camp, by the way? Are you a camper? I do. Yeah. Although I'll be honest, we've become like a lot of people, a more, more of a car camping family. We've got a few family friends that we love. We love to have kind of luxurious camping and bring, bring some, bring some gear and bring some great food. And yeah, we love to do it. It's probably less of that distant multi-day backpacking in camping uh -huh. that I used to do. Yeah. 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 Listen, if we can find a way to make camping a little bougie, I'm here for it. No, no shame I'll be your that. test case. Then let's kind of like, I'm going to fire up a couple of questions to you here kind of at the end. 
what is your go-to snack to refuel when you're doing whatever it is you're doing outside? Yeah, that's a good one. So a lot of years of, of uh, long distance running have basically had me swear off of like goos and gels and bars. And it's kind of, I'm kind of a real food guy now. So like the best snack I ever had in the outdoors, I was doing this crazy long bike ride and somebody had boiled potatoes with salt on them. And it was like, perfect. So like peanut butter filled pretzels, that would be my go-to refuel, like nuts, pretzels, like real foods. I just, I just, I OD'd on the gels and goos and other things. It's too much. Uh So I'm not a runner. I want to be, I really do. I do. I want, I have wanted this. It's the great disappointment of my dad's life that none of his four children became run. It's so sad for him. It's like genuinely hard. But one year I drug my best friends and my family into doing a half marathon with me because it was cause related. So you give me a cause and I can be motivated. That's great. But I mean, to just tell you, like, listen, Apparently you're supposed to train like for long distance running. And so me and my girlfriends were like, well, let's start our training. But the problem was I, one time we were training, we all lived in the same neighborhood, which just kind of looked like fast walking. If I'm going to be honest. And one of my girlfriends literally said in the middle of it, she's like, listen, we've got to just slow down. I can't talk with all this running. I'm like, that's right. Let's just slow it down. The longest we ever went on a single train night ever before the half marathon was seven miles. One time we went seven whole miles and we were like, you know what, if we can do seven, we can do 13. It's, it's all, like, it's all downhill from there. The You're same. halfway done. It's about the same. And then we ended virtually every night of our training walky runs with wine on the porch. I'm just saying we weren't really mentally in it. However, in the actual race, we got the, the goo, the goo stuff. I'm not a fan. Like, I didn't know what it was, but everybody else is doing it. We're like, let's eat the goo. Like they must know they're here. They look at look at their shoes. They trained for this. Yuck. So yeah, what I wanted was like a beer. Yeah, it's well, okay. I mean, that's my go-to. I mean, there's no better way to refuel your carbohydrates than a beer after a workout. But I would I like say it. those goos and things, they're amazing products. I just had too many of them over, uh-huh. over too many yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. Now you have like a trigger gag reflex. You're like, forget it. I want a boiled potato with salt. It was, I I know that sounds crazy. It was a little bag. It It was like magical. I love that. Okay. If you could close your eyes right now and just transport to one outdoor location, the second, what would you pick? I would pick the Sawtooth Mountains in Idaho. I'd pick like Stanley, Idaho. It's an absolutely stunning place. Got amazing family memories there. And it's a really special place. That's what what it would be. I like that you picked that because this baked in advantage to taking your body outdoors is that it becomes sentimental and nostalgic. Like it's, it's, you create memories there. They have like a, a visceral effect on your bones and your heart rate. And like, it's a beautiful, it could be a beautiful part of both childhood and then adult life. So I love that answer. Okay. One last question. Everybody on the show gets this question and I want you to answer it. However you feel like you can give me like a really like sincere, like sweet thing, or you can just give me something like absurd. I like them all. I like this build up. What is saving your life right now? Okay. This is not a business that we're in. So I'm, I'm probably speaking a little out on, on a list. Fly fishing has been the thing that saved my life through COVID. I 
got into fly fishing, fly tying, all things involving flies, fish, rivers. And it really kept me, I mean, sincerely kept me sane over the last couple of years and has become almost an unhealthy degree of devotion. But no, fly fishing, if you ask me that question, that that's my honest answer. I remember when a river runs through, it came out and every single, well, cause Brad Pitt is his hottest self in that's that movie. Pretty hot Brad Pitt. I'm with you on that one. It's peak Brad. Yeah. And then all these like boys who were wearing like khaki pants and polos were like, this is who I am now. I am a fly fisherman and I'm going to grow out my hair. And so you've, you've come to it just a little late in the game. Yeah. You know, I did it a little bit as a kid growing up. And again, probably was a lot of people confused me with Brad Pitt at that time. So I probably stepped <laughs> away mostly for that. But I've refound, refound the passion. I love that so much. Thank you, Ben, for coming on the show today. It's so fun to talk to you. You're so funny. And for people who don't live near an REI, you've got an incredible online option. It's you've got it all and everybody can walk in the store. You don't have to have credentials to go to REI, you guys. Like, and there's helpful people there who will walk you through each and everything that you're interested in, that you need super friendly. It's not judgmental. They're not going to ask you for pictures of your last outdoor activity. And so this is accessible to all. And by the way, I really loved hearing you talk about joining sort of the, the work toward accessibility and lower price points and safety. And these are great conversations to have around your kind of work. And so I'd love to know that there's a company as monumental and massive as REI that cares about their people and their customer and the world. And so good job, you. Thank you. Thank Good you. Job, thanks you. so much for having me. I really appreciate the chance to connect and talk a little me bit too. about the outdoors with you. So Me too. It. Thank you, yeah. Ben. Thank you. All right, you guys. Ben's fun. I enjoyed that conversation and I appreciate that he helped take sort of the mystique or the barriers away from this whole idea of I need to be outdoorsy. I'm going to remember that he said, you don't have to be outdoorsy. Maybe just what's outside. I like the, I like the language change that feels more accessible. And so I just completely enjoyed that. And I hope you did too. You guys over at jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, I'll have this whole episode with show notes and links to REI and all the stuff we talked about links to the, the apps that he mentioned. And that I mentioned and whatever else we had in this interview, we will have linked in one space for you. Thank you for being here week in and week out. You guys, this is such a fun series. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show. You'll never miss an episode. It'll come right to you. We just love our subscribers and we're so grateful to you and for you. We absolutely love creating fun interviews and series for you. We think about you all the time. So thanks for being here at our four-year mark, you guys. You're the greatest. See you next week.